Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 284 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 2nd, 2013. We've got a big show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. Dan Weber was in Hawaii with me. We'll talk to him a little bit later on the show. we got Coach Harvey Hyde here in the first segment. He's going to answer your questions about this USC football team, which is now 1-0. If you have any questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call us at 206-888-6755, or go right to peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail right on the webpage. Without further ado, let's jump in with Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on? How you doing? Well, I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, great college football weekend, and we're not done yet. We've got a great game tonight, Florida State Pitt. Then we start countdown for the second week of college football. I think there are a lot of wow games when you look at the North Dakota State win and the Northern Iowa win and some of these wins that are out there in college football. You can never uh, just assume you can win a football game any longer. There's parity everywhere, and if you're not ready to play, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, Eastern Washington Tech or something, or Eastern Washington A&M beat Oregon right. State. Who knows? <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Um, all right, well, before we jump into all that, I want to also thank, I mean, welcome everyone in and say happy Labor Day. Uh, it is Labor Day here, so happy Labor Day. We are still working, Coach, on Labor Day, which kind of sucks, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do. And I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, still got the Red Hot Dodgers, uh, the not-so-red-hot Angels, and, of course, now we have USC football tickets, three home games in a row. If you want to check out any of those, you can go to sctickets.com and jump in there and, and get some. And, uh, Coach, before we get going, I guess we'll, we'll get going now, want to get your thoughts overall on the game. We have some specific questions, but you know, maybe get uh, your thoughts of what you saw out there in Hawaii. Well, I think one thing I want to mention about the Pac-12, first of all, there was a statement game with the University of Washington against Boise State, the 19th-ranked team in the country. I thought Washington really looked sharp in their victory. I don't think Boise State is the same team it was a couple of years ago. But 38-6, to they completely dominated. But again, I want to say, as you mentioned, Eastern Washington's 49-46 to uh, beating of Oregon State. Uh, I mean, so you have statement games. You have wow games. This is what college football is all about. Is exciting, and uh, we're right in the middle of it. And uh, I know you want to ask me what I think about the Hawaii game, which I'm about ready to tell you. But remember, I mentioned last week too, Ryan, that I'm going to be on Twitter. Do you remember that? Oh, we could. Before we get into that, Coach Harvey Hyde is on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Coach? It's at Coach Harvey Hyde. At Coach Harvey Hyde. And what I'm going to try to do, and Ryan, I don't know if you noticed it or not, because I want to thank you for being a follower, but. Uh, after every quarter during the game, I sort of tweet out what I think uh, of the performance. Real short, you know, you're limited to what you can say. But I give uh, a little brief description of what I think after the game, the third quarter, halftime, 
And then also during the week, I give updates on what I think about different issues that might be happening. And I just thought people might want to follow along. So I wanted to get that out there. And thank you very much, Ryan, for being a part of it. Oh, no problem, Coach. So if you want to follow Coach, at Coach Harvey Hyde on Twitter. And you want to follow me, it's at Inside Troy. We'll work on Dan next. He has one, but he doesn't ever use it. So we'll, we'll try to get Dan on there so everyone can have one. We got to get him going. Yesterday in the studio on the uh, Trojan Brunch show, I got JJ back, Johnson. He says, if you're going to do it, Coach, I got to do it. <laughs> he says, if you could do it, I got to do it. He says, and then uh, Pete Arbogast says, oh my gosh, Coach, I can't believe it. He says, I got five followers. He says, I better get started too. So, you know, I'm, I'm bringing everybody update, uh, up to date on the modern age of electronics and all these things that are going on too. Sweet. All right. Well, now we know that you're out on, on Twitter. We can get your thoughts that way. Want to give your thoughts right now on how USC performed at Hawaii? Well, let me put it to you this way. In your opening game, uh, you always got the jitters, and you never know what to expect. And, and of course, all the quarterback controversy that was going on before the game. I shouldn't call it controversy. I should just saw, say discussions on who's going to start or who's going to this and that. And uh, it's always great to get a win. You know, whenever you can get a W in an opening game, you sit back and you say, whew, we got this win. Then you start thinking about how during the game, how embarrassed you get at times and how you feel about great plays. And then you feel about, man, we got a lot of work to do. And uh, when I look at an opening game, you say, well, what do we look good at and what do we need to improve at? So I'm sure that Coach Kiffin had a staff meeting immediately following the game, or maybe he gave him the evening off because it was a late game. At least it was a late game here on the West Coast. And uh, they met in the hotel the next morning or on the plane all the way coming back. And at least I would have, as a head football coach, gone around my staff and said, all right, what was the pluses of this football game or the negatives of this football game? And we would discuss it as a staff, offensively and defensively, and share our thoughts. Because if you don't allow your assistant coaches to talk and go up to thoughts, they feel like, well, you're not going to listen to me anyway, and maybe you're not going to listen to them anyway anyway. But you want to hear what they're thinking. And if you don't give them a chance to vent, uh, like we vent when we do this show, and like <laughs> our callers or followers or listeners vent when they call in, it doesn't happen. So if I'm going to vent, I guess I'll, I'll just tell you my thoughts on the game and how I felt. First of all, I, I think there's several issues you need to work out. I wasn't at all impressed with the offensive line's performance. And I know it's their first game, and I know it's a young offensive line. Don't get me wrong. You've got Turek. You've got Wheeler. Wheeler's starting his first game. You've got Marcus Martin in the middle. You've got Martinez, who's a senior. You have uh, Walker, who hadn't played guard before. You've got Kevin Graft, who has been a three-year starter. And you say, well, shouldn't we own the line of scrimmage better? Shouldn't we have pass block better? Shouldn't we have done a lot of these things better, especially under the tutorage and and uh, of Mike Summers and what he was expected to get his team to, uh, or front five to perform. I know Mike's not happy. I know Mike says, yes, we had a pretty good game, but the, we got to get better. Yeah, you do. You have to get better if you're going to compete. Because I would have to say the University of Hawaii, from what I saw after the first series or two, I said, wow. Offensively, wow. I mean, Graham had a play, hadn't played in a football game, game since high school. And uh, he couldn't throw the ball, and yes, he was putting pressure on him. So, you know, that wouldn't, uh, they weren't going to score in any way. 
Uh, I'm surprised they scored. In fact, they scored in five different ways. If you want to look at it, they scored a touchdown, a safety, a field goal, and a two-point conversion. <laughs> so you, you four, they scored four different ways, and they only got their touchdown on one of the final plays of the game. So uh, you've got to get better on the offensive line, both run blocking and pass blocking. You know, you allow the safety, and it's not all the lines fall. I think it should have been a three-step drop. If you're going to throw the ball, you can't go back to step a five-step drop and throw a ball, but you don't really have that much time, especially the way Hawaii was pressuring. And uh, they got some inside charges there. One of the tackles let a guy go and or didn't maintain his block, and he got sacked, and it was a two-point conversion. I think earlier in the game they could have built some confidence in Cody Kessler and in the offense, but when they drove down there and they passed it up and uh, passed up the field goal, and went on fourth and four, and then they didn't make it. I think the first time a quarterback's in the game in a new offensive year that you, when you get a chance to score, you take the three. And they passed on the three, and they didn't make it. The next time down there, they took the three. And Adari was really hot. In fact, he was my most valuable player of the game, especially with a 52-yarder. And may I say, at the end of the first half, I loved their time management and getting themselves into position to get that 52-yard attempt. And make it you can hear my dogs in the background so i apologize for that i got a household with dogs my kids dogs are here everybody's kids are here. Dogs are here. it's labor day coach it's okay we're working on labor that's day. all right they're saying hi to everybody out there and they want to get on the air so i think the offensive line uh, uh needs to get worked on and then i would agree and i think summers is summers would agree if he listens to this podcast and i don't think he does doesn't care what i have to think but that's he's a good line coach, and I think they got to work on that. They've got to get a little bit more athletic, to be honest with you. I think they've got to run the stretch play a little bit more. They have more success running outside with that stretch than they do inside. They've got to get better line splits and get some seams in there where the bats can run, at least I think. And uh, I thought their backs, Justin Davis, I thought he played well. Trey, Trey Madden, Matthew uh, Madden played well, and let's don't forget that. I think the most valuable run of the game was not the 34-yard game by Madden, but Buck Allen's power run down there that got them to uh, touchdown at the end of the game. He just ran over people. And I think Buck is an outstanding football player, number 17. He doesn't get the raves that he should, but he had an outstanding summer camp for the Trojans. He was sort of the unknown player or soldier, as you can say, uh, in the past. As far as the receivers were concerned, they've got to concentrate more on catching the football. They were thinking about making the big play rather than catching the football. They were thinking about running with the football or what dance they were going to do in the end zone <laughs> rather, than, rather than catch the ball and take the possession right there. And sometimes players do that when they don't catch a lot of balls. They, they expect uh, to, to make big plays, and, and they weren't concentrating. That's concentration. I thought Cody Kessler made a nice pass to Aguilar for their touchdown, a lot of touch on it, and I thought that was a nice play. Wasn't uh, real happy with the way they used the field or spread the field, especially with the way Hawaii was coming after them with three-step slant patterns, uh, hit your tight end on curls, have hot routes. If you see they're coming, you know, hit the tight end, just read the linebackers, dump it to him, let him go down the middle of the field. They used it in a cross route there later in the end of the game to uh, uh, Lee, and he got a nice uh, run out of that in game. They did not attempt to use much of that during the game whatsoever. So it's easy to sit back now and, and, and critique. It really is. 
But I think you've got to think about and have a plan during the game that if they do this and they load up over here, then you can't you can't cover the other side. And I think you've got to set your formations and see how they're planning on covering those plays or those formations like players said or somebody was saying they were always where the play was going to be. Then you better go back and check your formation tendencies and you better find out what you're doing offensively but somebody else knows more about your offense than you do then. So I think you better check on that. thought the running backs played well. I thought Davis had an outstanding game. He was my runner-up player of the week. Kadari offensively was my player of the week. Scored 13 points and uh, I thought had uh, an outstanding game. So offensively, I could keep going. But defensively, I thought they came after you. They had fun playing defense. It was great to see the Trojans having fun playing defense, getting after you. I thought as a freshman starter, Ruffin had a great game. Kennard had a great game. Williams and Uko, what can I say? They're great players. Bailey had a great game from being injured and not playing much because he was injured. Linebackers played well. Front seven had a great game. Safeties, I think you've got some safeties, but your safeties are going to have to start helping your corners. Ryan, you've heard me talk about this. How many shows have we done when I've talked about the corner situation? And if you're going to go after people, you've got to have corners, but if you don't get there, it's all over with. And uh, SC lost their starting corners, Brown and Seymour, and no one knows what happened with them or what happened. As far as the injury report, they might have gotten shot. <laughs> I, I really don't know because no one knows. There's no report. So, uh, you know, it's I don't know why that's been a popular thing now. I don't understand what it is. You don't tell anybody what's wrong with anybody. But that's that's the way it goes. But we know that they didn't play, and you saw Shelton come in, and he, he just couldn't cover that guy. In fact, they, Graham could have hit a couple of others, and I hate to say this. It's a terrible thing to say because you don't have a quarterback. Hawaii didn't, but... If Hawaii would have had a quarterback that could hit a couple of those passes a couple of times, the Trojans would have been in a real battle for the football game. Yeah, I tell you, the guys were open, and it was it was scary. It really was. So uh, the corner situation continues to be a concern of mine, a huge concern, because you're not going to stop Arizona State, Oregon, and, and with the speed of the receivers and. And I like all these receivers. They're defensive backs. They're nice kids. Chris Hawkins, I don't think, got in the game. Torn Harris, he's a senior, I believe. He played. Shelton, he's a freshman. They're talking about moving Josh Shaw to corner. But, you know, you got to run 4-4, 4-5 to play corner today, especially if you're going to play man. You've heard me in the spring. And, Ryan, how many shows have I told you, why have great athletes watched the game? I don't know how many shows I've told you, but Blackwell and Flournoy are great athletes. They're watching the football game. you got Darius Rogers as a backup uh, receiver. I mean, why not let those guys, I said in the spring, take them over there and let them be a corner? If I'd have been at SC, when, when Marquise Lee came in, he'd have been my corner. I've told you that a hundred times. Everybody everybody says, how could you do that? How could I do that? You had Robert Woods and all these other great receivers. Get your players on the field. And I, I don't know, but I think those kids would have started off being a defensive corner in the spring. They'd have been real happy because, remember, corners are making more money than receivers now in the NFL draft. Right. You've got to be able to cover. And you've heard me talk about this. And I just think uh, you're going to have to play zone, uh, do more of that. You've got to more contain now because they're going to spread you out. If you watch the Washington State game, this kid, uh, Holiday, he, or Hol Holiday, I think it is, uh, 
He throws the ball really well, quickly. Mike Leach, you've got to hope that team's fatigued after going to Auburn and going all out and almost beating Auburn and coming home and then having to come to the Coliseum. You've got to really hope that uh, th- that trip hurt them because they were sharp. Auburn, I don't know how good Auburn is, okay, so, but they had to go to Southeast <laughs> Conference country. That's a little bit different than going to Honolulu, Hawaii. With, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, Hawaii never quit. And I told everybody before the game, they'll never quit. They're great kids. They play their butts off. Football is a big thing in that state. They have a lot of pride. And I think they came out of the game okay. Norm Chow, I don't think, liked the final touchdown. That's why he came back and went for the streak and went for two and went for the onside kick. Uh, Norm doesn't get mad. Norm just uh, just demonstrates it by what he has to do. But now you're asking me, would I have gone for that touchdown? Absolutely I would have gone for that touchdown. You've got young players who need to play. They practice all fall. They practice all spring. Uh, you weren't trying to pour it on. You were trying to become a better football team. And I think Bunk Allen just, uh, demonstrated that. So I don't want to wander go too long, but I do want to address the quarterback situation because I know everybody's going to ask me that question. Well, well, Coach, I we actually have a question about that. So maybe we'll, I didn't want to just stop here yeah. well, because I could just keep going. As you, you know, you know we, could, we could end the show on Tuesday. You know? <laughs> All right. Well, here, let me bring huh? a question. I'll, we'll try to go through right. some of these quick because we have a bunch time of questions. Out. Let's take a TV timeout, a radio timeout, a podcast timeout. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Hi, this is Mike from Lantana, Texas. Uh, fight on Trojans. Good win. Uh would love to see us have only one quarterback. I think if we have two quarterbacks, we don't have one, and that's a problem. We need one man to lead the charge. Who do you guys think it should be after looking at the first game? I was really excited with the running backs. Uh, do you want to know, are we just going to redshirt Ty Isaac, uh, or is he going to actually get to play? But it was great to see Trey Madden back on the field, and uh, he did just a great job on the offensive side, as he always had done on the defensive side. That guy is just money when it comes to being a football player. Great to have him be a Trojan. Today's a great day to be a Trojan. Fight on and God bless. Mike, I love your enthusiasm. I really do. It's great to hear you call in, and uh, please continue to do so. Uh, You're a prideful guy. I can tell you're a real Trojan. Uh, Ty Isaac, don't get me into that. I don't understand why you'd burn a redshirt year on the final plays of the game. I just don't understand that, but that's not my decision. They did that a couple of years ago, if you remember, with Farmer. Cost him a year of eligibility. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. So that would be a good question in a, in a press conference. And I, I don't go to press conferences, and they're probably happy I don't. <laughs> but that, because, you know, Ryan, I'd ask these questions. I feel these are decent questions that, you know, people should know. But uh, as far as the quarterback situation is concerned, uh, there's got to be a decision made. Uh, I think maybe you can go one more game. Well, Coach, actually, you, Lake huh? Giffen said he made a decision. He's just not going to announce it. So he he was in a little press conference yesterday. Oh, really? And told him, yeah, so sorry about that. Yeah, he uh, just with the beat writers, it's not like a real big deal because he hasn't announced who it's going to be. But he said he's made his decision, but we're not going to find out until Saturday. All right. So that's <laughs> – that's now, now. See, these are the type of things. Never mind. I'll just move. I'll just move ahead. You know. <laughs> uh, 
because you know it's going to get out. Who's the number one guy that's going to be uh, taking over? He better be running the team during practice. Yeah. He better be taking every snap with the first unit. That's not hard to figure out, because that's why you make this decision. You make this decision to become a better football team. You have better rhythm. The players look at you in the huddle. They know you're the number one guy. You're going to make the plays. You're going to be the leader. You're the battery of the engine. So, you know, it's going to get out. So I would rather step up as a head coach and say we've made the decision because of this. And the other guy's taped his ankles and be ready, and he's ready to go in the game. And that's the way it is right now at this point. And, uh, and you move forward. It's like a, that's what head coaches are for, making decisions, not only off the field or on the field, but during the game and not during the game. And that's what you got to do. So we'll wait and see who is going to be the starter. And you'll be telling me, I'll be reading about it in a day or two. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, but uh, go I, I, I'm glad he named one then. I'm glad he had one because that's what my point was going to, Ryan. Yeah. My point was going to, you've got to have rhythm. You've got to know who the guy is. Hey, listen, you've evaluated for six months. Okay. Who are you kidding? All spring, all summer camp. Now a football game, and you're telling me you can't decide who's the guy. You've got to decide who the guy is. The only way he will fool us is he's going to come out and say, I'm rotating both of them. That's the only way he's fooled us. If we right. think he's named a starter and he's named them both, okay? <laughs> so I, mean, I wouldn't be a bit surprised, okay? So we'll wait and see what it is. Uh, I thought you can't evaluate. It's difficult to talk about the game and evaluate them really because they're all in different type of situations with different type of plays and drop passes and, and the different things. And sometimes in passing situations, tackles don't block and you get sacked or whatever. But if he's made that decision, then we'll let him make that call and I won't get involved and you won't ask me who I think should be it. <laughs> um, let's go to Andres. He wants to know, how worried should we be about the offense going forward? Is Hawaii that good, or are we that bad? Well, I think Hawaii will be the worst offensive football team you play the entire year. Not that I'm trying to put down anybody, but they had injured players. Their top running back was out. They didn't have a quarterback experience guy. came back. Their receivers didn't show me any great speed. They had lost their best defensive lineman. They play with a lot of pride, and they get after it, and they gamble a lot on defense. I tell you, I, I respect Norm Chow so much. I just, just just respect him. He's such a gentleman on and off the field. Uh, but he didn't have the personnel to play against USC, obviously. Uh, so, But uh, from now on, the Trojans are going to be challenged. I mentioned Washington State. Washington State and Mike Leach, he put the ball in the air 65 times. 65 times against Auburn, okay? This game starts at 7.30. Make, uh, you'll be leaving the Coliseum at 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a long football game. And uh, he throws a lot of quick routes. He just throws and throws and throws. I think he only had 34 yards rushing against Auburn because he didn't care. Loves to throw the ball. Have you ever watched him? He has his, play, uh, his, uh, his game plan is written on a napkin-like that when he had breakfast uh, before the game, he wrote down what his thoughts might be. But he knows his offense so well that he knows what he's trying to accomplish that uh, if, you don't, if you don't stop him, I, 
Uh, you can't go after him and stop him. He'll eat you up with those bubble screens, quick screen slants. He'll eat you up. I might all might say that, you know, he'll force you to rush three and drop eight. You think I'm kidding you, especially to help your corners because you're going to have to cover those zones. But this kid can throw the ball pretty well. I was impressed, and the receivers are gutty kids. You know, they're not, they don't know what their speed might be, but they're gutty kids. And uh, they'll come to the Coliseum non-intimidated. They just went to the Southeastern Conference. They won't be intimidated. So SC's going to have to bring their game. So how good is Hawaii? They're probably the B team on USC's uh, schedule. All right. <laughs> That's probably not an encouraging word for uh, USC offensive fans there. Uh, let's move on. Here's a voicemail question for you, Coach. Hey, this is Kevin from Culver City. And I just saw some footage of uh, Lane Kiffin speaking after the win at the U at the Hawaii uh, football game. And I saw how disinterested the players were in his after-game speech. My question is that how important is it that the players believe in their coach to have a winning season? Because from what I saw, none of the players were really interested in what Lane Kiffin had to say. Uh, thank you very much, and fight on. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, I'll tell you, when I was a head coach, if they weren't interested in what I had to say or not, they listened. Okay? <laughs> there wasn't any moving around. They were down on one knee. I was in the middle of them, or I had them in front of me, and I looked at them. And if a guy was looking at the ground, I'd ask him what he was looking for. Uh, I think it's very important to communicate with your team. I think it's very important to look them in the eyes and tell them the truth about the performance, who they are, what you thought of your performance, because you're going to tell the media and everyone knows in the locker room themselves if they're happy or not satisfied with their victory. The number one thing you always say, we got our W. But, you you know, there's ways of saying you get a W, but we still got a lot of work to do, too. And uh, I think that it's important that your team believes in you, that they're willing to follow you, uh, they're willing to d- die for you because you're willing to die for them, and they've got to have that feeling. Remember, if your team knows that you love them, you heard me say this, they'll do anything for you. Uh, so my feeling is you've got to have command. You don't even tell them. You don't even have to tell them. You teach them that from the beginning. Even after a win or sad when you lose, you don't look at the ground. If you played your best, the hell. The other team's better. But you still keep your head up and you pay attention to your coach and you look him in the eyes. That's what I think of it. I think you've got to have respect, yet you have to show respect as a head football coach back to your team and members of whoever you're working with that's a part of that uh, franchise that you're ahead of. And then one last one before we let you go, Coach. Earl in West, right. West L.A., if that's okay. You got time for one more? I got time for one more. All right, here we go. Uh, there's very much a different team than last year because we can run the ball well. Trey Madden, Justin Davis. And Buck Allen, at times, all look like the second coming of Marcus Allen. Wow. Uh, I don't know about that. He said, uh, did I really see three running backs that good? Coach Hyde, please bring me back down to earth. We could not throw worth a damn, but we could sure control the ball on the ground. That's Earl in West L.A. Well, it's good to have running backs. And it's uh, one thing you have to do is believe in the run, and you can't get away from the run. All great football teams run, run the ball, okay? You run the ball, you get people in the box. It opens up your secondary, but the safeties have to worry about 
the back breaking up the middle or breaking somewhere. They come up and support. And remember, defensive backs do not like to tackle, special corn, especially corners, because they're supposed to cover. So that's why I'm suggesting run the stretch more. The toss play hadn't been successful, I don't think, because I think the backs are too deep and you're not hitting the, the toss area to the outside fast enough and your receivers cannot maintain their blocks that long. They're coming off the blocks. But that's just my opinion. So I, I think you do have three great backs. I do. That's why I mentioned earlier, as far as uh, Isaac, uh, why would you burn a redshirt year? You don't even have red. you got D.J. Morgan. I think D.J. Morgan probably is the fastest back of all of them. I think the only thing lacking as far as the running backs is you don't have a burner. What I mean by a burner is a sprinter that's playing running back, a guy that if you don't cover him and he gets through the, the, the uh, hole, He's gone, man. He turns on the afterburners, and he's history. Now, I haven't seen these guys have to do that yet, so I shouldn't judge that early. But I'd like to see that demonstrated so shortly to see if anybody can run him down, especially if they have the angle on him and the guys run away from him. I think Buck Allen can be one of those guys, Coach. He's, he's I hope. A, yeah, we'll see, though. All right, well, thanks again, and uh, thanks for taking hey, Let some... me give me out my Twitter again. Oh, yeah. You? Go ahead, pro- promote hey, away. I'm big on this, baby. I'm big on it now. <laughs> All right, Coach. Uh, you, you can reach me at Coach Harvey Hyde. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. Join me in the huddle, okay, guys? Join me in the huddle. All right. Thanks again, Coach, and everyone else. Back in 30 seconds, we are going to talk with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Fight on, Trojan fans. We're all very excited about this season. My name is Louis Tangay, and I'm the managing director of Circle Marketing. Like USC, Circle Marketing has a long track record of success. Ours hasn't been on the football field, though. We have been very successful in helping the small businesses of America get the kind of marketing strategy and support previously only affordable by large companies. For example, by going to circlemarketing.com, you can view our portfolio, read our case studies, and see how we were able to increase business by 90%, grow social media followings by 10 times what it was when we started, and how our websites and marketing strategies have helped our small businesses reach and exceed all of their marketing goals time and time again. So come visit circlemarketing.com today, read our case studies and testimonials, and see what we've done for other small businesses like yours. Then contact us and find out what we can do to help your small business too. Circle Marketing, the company that fights on for your small business. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Now we're joined by uscfootball.com. Beat writer Dan Weber is going to talk about the game. We were both over there in Hawaii, and there's actually been some recent developments. The game was on Thursday. Sunday, there was a press conference. We got a lot of questions from all you guys, like I said earlier in the show. Uh, D.C. and Culver City, Kevin and South Orange County, uh, both were talking about the quarterbacks, Dan. Um, D.C. wanted to know about, is one of them going to magically step up? And, and Kevin and South Orange County talked about, what Florida did, Will Muschamp's Florida team did when they had Brantley and Driscoll won their first four games, and then they went seven and six to, to finish where there was two quarterbacks. But since they wrote those questions, Dan, there's been some news on the quarterback spot. Maybe we can uh, kind of share all that, and you can talk about your thoughts. Well, I, I would I would tell you who's the quarter who is going to be the quarterback, but that would ruin it for you this whole week. So <laughs> I'll just uh, say you know wait till Saturday, and you can find out when Washington State does. Uh, no, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it was interesting, Lane, uh, you know, he does his opening comments on his Sunday night call, and then at the very end he said, but I've got something to tell you. Uh, we do have a quarterback, and uh, we've decided, and I'm not going to tell you, 
and you'll have to wait till Saturday. Now it's a little variation of what he did last week, but uh, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, it's, I, I don't know why that's the story, and I don't really think. I know Lane said that you know he just didn't want the um, the guy who didn't get the he didn't want us to keep asking him every day. Number one, and secondly, he didn't want the guy who didn't who didn't get named to have to feel like uh, you know people were saying bad things about him, or he didn't. And I'm not that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, I think you know one of the things that the way they went after it Thursday on offense gave you almost ammunition to say bad things about about both of them to some extent, and that's not that was not right. I thought that was the worst. Certainly, the worst Cody Kessler has looked since last spring. Their worst single day. They looked tentative. They looked unsure of themselves. Uh, they gave him almost no uh, nothing, to, you know, to really show what he could do. Uh, he gave himself the one opportunity when he, they were on the 19, and he uh, recognized a, a look that that he was looking for, uh, that Hawaii was in, and he immediately uh, uh, audible to Aguilar for the touchdown. So, uh, but uh, you sure would have liked to have seen the ability to do that more. That was a 19-yard, you know, really well-thrown pass. And yet, uh, I know that people look at, you know, and say, well, he hasn't thrown it very hard. Well, you don't want him throwing it very hard when, you know, 90% of them are are five-yard passes into the flat. You know, I mean, throwing it hard doesn't exactly work in that situation. I thought um, that really made the quarterbacks, not look very good uh, the way uh, the way they went about it on offense. It was like again, I said it was two different teams. Uh, you know, the defense comes in there and probably played faster than we have seen them all year, and they've been playing fast, and they really turned it loose and uh, and got up to game speed in a way that you know we hadn't hadn't seen them all together playing playing like that, and they hadn't always been healthy, and they hadn't seen guys like Sue Cravens in there all the time. We knew what potentially they could do, and then we watched, you know, the uh, offense, and it looks like they're going slow motion, and you know, still they're, you know, getting um, uh, false starts and and uh, you know, really uh, not recognizing, uh, you know, what Hawaii's going to do, and 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 on stunts and blitzes and uh, things like that, and just not picking things up and putting themselves in, in you know into trouble. I mean, I think the third. What the three of fourteen third down conversions was just horrific. So uh, two different worlds in terms of offense and defense uh, Thursday. But it, you know, they know what they need to work on. Looks like they're gonna. They've obviously picked a quarterback, which they have to do. You gotta, you know, make one guy. I mean, neither one of them benefited from Thursday's game because they only got half the reps. So you know, one of those guys is your starter, and. Um, and, and and they really need to get all the reps with the first team. They just you just got to do that. And now um, Gary Klein of the LA Times um, says that he has a source that uh, that it's Kessler. So we'll see. Last week the uh, the early reports were that it was Wittick. And as the week went on, it turned out that uh, you know more and more that you heard things it was going to be Kessler, and that turned out to be correct. We'll see how this goes, uh, but. Uh, it's going to be another uh, interesting week where we won't be in there, but we'll be trying to, as we we have uh, patented a new process. It's called the uh, sweat stain analysis. Where you try <laughs> to guess who's 
starting or who's playing a lot by how sweaty their practice gear is as they walk by us uh, after practice. Maybe Lane Kiffin will dump Gatorade on everybody that didn't play a whole lot in practice, so you can't tell. <laughs> They'll that... hose them down as they come out. <laughs> uh... All right, well, we're, we don't want to overanalyze the quarterback situation. Um, you know, Obviously, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday, according to Lane Kiffin, who the next USC quarterback is going to be. But we have so many questions to get to, Dan, about other aspects, too. I wanted to get to some of those. Here's a, a voicemail one for you. Good morning, Chris from San Pedro. Two questions for Dan. First off is how can our two tackles play so bad against a team like Hawaii? And what does that portend for the rest of the season? The other question is, given the fact that our secondary is probably going to get torched this year, uh, what do we do about the quarterback spot? Because neither one of those guys look like third-year players. Um, They couldn't hold a candle to any one of the number of freshman quarterbacks who played last year and did great. Neither one of them looked better uh, ready to play. And I'm just wondering uh, how that can be. Two top-line recruits, uh, neither one of them looking like they had the confidence to uh, play. And I thought Kiffin gave them both uh, a good opportunity uh, to play. Uh, And I thought the play calling was pretty decent. But they really just didn't perform. Thanks. Might be a long season, boys. See ya. Wow. Dan, Dan uh, before I jump, before you go in, my bad on that. I thought I wrote down cornerbacks. I thought he was talking about cornerbacks, and then he went on to talk about the quarterbacks. We talked about the secondary getting torched. So my fault on that. I didn't realize there would be more quarterback talk there. Well, I, I would say this. Uh, you know, Chris sounds like a really, uh, really uh, cool observer of uh, of college football. I probably disagree with uh, all three of those. Uh, I would say that uh, uh, I think. Uh, Lane didn't help them, I, I don't think, with his play calling. I thought that uh, uh, I would have liked to have seen them do more uh, of, of things that we had seen them do in the in the three weeks prior, and uh, and and just let the you know the the tackles block. I mean, I think when both when you have a brand new left tackle and a and a three year starter at right tackle, and they're both having problems, maybe the problem is is uh, you know they're doing stuff that they're, they're just not. Uh, uh, as up to speed as, as you'd like them to be, uh, and and recog- in re- terms of recognition, and obviously, I mean, I think I think Kevin Graf, uh I, I believe and it was hard to hear Lane's comment last night, but I I think the gist of it was that Kevin did a pretty good job blocking, and I think if you if you notice, they had some pretty good runs uh, uh, off the right tackle. So uh, everybody saw that, you know, he got beat to the inside on that safety. And that was, uh, he set up outside, guy went inside, and he ended up pushing the guy into Kessler. Uh, It was an odd call considering uh, they hadn't really run any drop-back passes until they get to the one-yard line, and then they set up in the end zone, and one guy gets beat, and uh, and that's it. Uh, I thought uh, they weren't that uh, disturbed about Wheeler. I think they thought Wheeler held up. Strength-wise and, and size and toughness and all that, uh, there are recognition and identification issues, and I get I think that really has to be handled by the coaches. They have to do a better job of preparing them for the offense that they're going to run, and if that means cutting down on the number of plays on the play sheet, cut them down, get rid of them. You know, cut down on the complexity. Just go out there and say our athletes are, are going to be able to beat your athletes. So. As far as the cornerbacks, or I think you said the secondary is going to get torched. Uh, 
I guess this was the same second day, you know, four interceptions, I thought, uh, the other day. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe they won't get tore. They've got three pretty good safeties, and, uh, you know, playing right now in the, in the nickel. And another one, uh, uh, Demetrius Wright, I think, who can jump in there if they, if they decide to move Josh Shaw. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, having Anthony Brown and Kayvon Seymour go down early, you know, that hurt. So now you're, with, you're, you're playing backups right away and at corners. And, and that, was, uh, that wasn't the game plan. That obviously wasn't the way they wanted to go. Uh, but I would give them, I would give them some, uh, an opportunity to see what, what happens with the secondary. I think, you know, it's a work in progress. But not, the, you know, the safeties. The safeties, these guys can play. And they are playmakers. And it's something that we haven't seen for a while. And this is how I think Pete built his uh, – defenses with playmakers he started you know you start with Troy Palomalu and then you get you get a Matt Grittigan and that's not even the secondary although a lot of the plays Matt made were in the secondary as a linebacker uh and then Lofa Tatupu and guys like that they had a defense that he had playmakers and this defense has playmakers so uh I, I just think uh I would not probably you know jump to a, a conclusion right away on the on the on the cornerbacks or even the secondary overall. As to the quarterbacks, I thought they were limited in ways that it wasn't their fault. They, uh, you know, why you get to the first game and they look worse than they did in the first day of spring, uh, again, that comes back, I think, to the, you know, coaching and, and, and selections, uh, the things you put them in and allowed them to do. Uh, I mean, how do you take Cody Kessler's legs out of the equation? How do you not let him make plays? you know, moving, how do you, you know, it, it, I was stunned by, uh, by the offensive choices. Uh, it, it seemed like uh, an overly cautious approach. And, and if I'm, you know, one of you guys out there and all I know about them is what I see in that first game, I might come to the same conclusion. I think it's, it's a, an overgeneralization that is, is taking one game and turning it into uh you know, uh, the kind of conclusion that's not supported. For example, I think one of the things is there are times you maybe do need to trust us because I think everything we said about everybody on defense uh, and what we were seeing turned out to be true. I mean, you know, uh, we talked about Sue Cravens and, and what you could look for him or what Lamar Dawson was going to look like playing on the, you know, the, uh, you know, the weak side or, or how Hayes Pollard perfectly fit. Uh, you know, at that at Mike linebacker, or the way Devon Kennard was bringing it, all of those things proved to be true. So if we, I think, if our observations are that the quarterbacks are, are definitely improving and looking pretty good and able to play at this level, that's probably true. The fact that they weren't the other day, I don't think goes back to the quarterbacks. I think it, it went somewhere else. And, and hopefully – that is being resolved, and that's one of the reasons that they have already picked the starting quarterback, and they're going to, uh, you know, they've got to score some points, I think, to beat Washington State, and they know it. And I think, uh, you know, Lane sometimes, you know, rises to the occasion. Last year when the Oregon game came along, he knew, you know, he couldn't be conservative. He couldn't be cautious. He couldn't be careful. And at least they went out and scored 51 points. <laughs> uh, only held them under 62 um, but uh, so you know I'm, I'm kind of optimistic that they have seen what what went wrong in the Hawaii game but I would not 
be harshly critical of any of the individual players at this point in time. I, I just really wouldn't. All right. Uh, well, you mentioned someone that and we have a really quick question, maybe the shortest voicemail question we've ever had. So we're going to play that one for you right now. In a month, basically. Yeah. How good is Sua Cravens? He's really good. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, 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 he's, he's not – nothing's too big for him. It's interesting. He, he's not in any way awed by anything. He expects to be that good. I mean, he expects he's got a, a, a you know a feeling about himself that he belongs out there. It, it didn't you know he was thrilled, but I don't think it was really a big surprise to him that he got that first interception on a play where he went from one side of that guy to the other side of that guy before that guy could even move to the football. You know, Sua was he has for a guy that he's right now at 220 pounds, he has an ability to widen his body out and to explode quietly. I mean, he, he just does things in a, in a different way for a guy his size than you've ever seen. He's got a flexibility about him. He knows where the ball is, and um, he can be really good. Now, again, you know, this is, this is his first time. He wasn't here in the spring. This is his first, uh, first college game, and he'll probably make mistakes. And I think they, they showed later on you could see – uh, a play where he was, uh, uh, where Hawaii get, gets deep on the corner, and he didn't get over in time, uh, and he didn't take the right angle, and uh, luckily Graham overthrew the ball. But uh, so there will be those things happen, and that's uh, you know I think we're going to have to expect that that there will be times where he might not quite get there because he's either trying to make a play, uh, you know, not afraid to you know come up inside and certainly big enough to do that, and he can play linebacker and he knows it. Uh, yeah. But uh, he does have some special skills, and especially ball skills and especially closing skills. And that's the thing you like about these guys. Uh, when you put Deion Bailey back there, who has the special you know closing skills on the football, and Josh Shaw really uh, you know as he was the other day with the interception and the return, and Dion with his interception. and uh, You've got guys that really have ball skills and, um, and can close on the football. And, uh, and, D- and Sua is just uh, kind of amazing. He does not look like a freshman. He could walk out um, this weekend with any NFL team in America uh, as a starting safety just by his presence and his size now, experience, not even close. You know, he'd be five years younger, four years younger than anybody. But if he walked out there, he didn't. He wouldn't look like he didn't belong there. I mean, he just looks like um, he he doesn't. He looks less like a freshman than almost any freshman I think we've seen in a in a long, long time. Okay, high praise there for Sue Cravens, and thanks for that super short question. Uh, here's another one for you, Dan. Another voicemail. Hi, Ryan Frank from Sacramento calling. You know, I think during the Hawaii game, um, much more needs to be said about the play of the running backs. Uh, Trey Madden, Justin Davis, a couple hundred yards there. And I think they're fourth and fifth uh, behind Silas Red, D.J. Morgan, and Buck Allen. So uh, we got to say that uh, when those guys are all back, we'll have a tremendous running game. Thanks. Um, you know, I- I think that would be true if if you had a two you know a, a game that where they had 120 minutes on the clock with, with 60 minutes on the clock, you, you know, it kind of becomes a zero sum game. You know, if uh, if uh, Silas Red gets more carries than you know 
Trey or Justin or somebody else doesn't get them. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Ty Isaac would have loved to, you know, gotten more of a, you know, of a shot, um, uh, Thursday. So, and, and everybody who, you know, gets to see him and, and, uh, again, we can, you know, toot our own horn, but, uh, but we weren't kidding you about Buck Allen, you know, you know, and he got four carries, but, uh, you know, uh, one of them uh, memorable, you know, where he, you know, trucked that uh, other number 37 for Hawaii and, uh, you know, knocked him head over heels. Uh, so I'm not sure how the numbers work in USC's favor other than, you know, in terms of uh, depth, depth-wise for injuries. Uh, I thought the number of carries was really good for those, you know, for the, you know, uh, Trey and, and Justin. I think Trey needed – those carries. It was wonderful seeing him out there without a knee brace on the first time. And, uh, you know, I think once they get, you know, get down the, you know, the line blocking and once the, you know, they get the calls right and all of that, I mean, he can be a hammer. I'm looking forward to, you know, when they run Wildcat, it wasn't in the game plan. I was, you know, kind of wish it would have been with Trey. Uh, but, um, and, and Justin Davis has a maturity about him, uh, so that he doesn't, uh, you know, outrun his blocking or try to go, you know, you know, try to, you know, take the, you know, the scene before it, it develops. He he has a maturity in in the way he approaches, uh, you know, uh, hitting a hole uh, that that you really like. I thought that was, thought they got that pretty well in terms of of uh, of a rotation, and it's it's kind of hard to see how you would change that no matter what. Uh, I mean. It, you know, and we don't know Silas Red coming back from Florida from Dr. Andrews, and we don't know what the procedure was. It was obvious to me last week as he was walking off the field, and you just looked at him and you said, something's not right. He's not getting better, and you could really tell. He, I mean, he was walking in a way that, you know, his knee, there was an angle about his, his lower leg and ankle that you just said, something's not right here. Uh, and uh, so... You know they're they're optimistic and positive about uh, you know where that is for him, but uh, uh, you know I just think you know right now the rotation's pretty good. I don't know that they need any more numbers. Uh, they just need to to refine it, uh, I think, and and uh, they need to get rid of the bad plays. I mean there's no excuse for having you know the kind of um, running plays that get blown up the way some of them did against Hawaii. Uh, I know Hawaii was doing some different things and they take chances, but, uh, and they were sound fundamentally. They had, you know, what, nine starters back on defense. And I don't, you know, I think they're actually not, you know, I know a lot of people say, Oh, they're not going to be any good. They're, they weren't bad. That was a, that was a pretty decent, you know, when you watch all those games over the weekend, there are a lot of teams that can't play defense. Hawaii looked like they might be able to, they certainly tackled pretty well. Aggressive as heck. Uh, I thought I thought their new defense, their defensive coordinator did a really good job with 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 Hawaii. All right, let's go to MacD in Vancouver. He said, "Was the bruised shoulder on Marquis Lee his left during the game when he caught the ball multiple times and ran down the left side of the field? Lee kept the ball in his right arm and did not switch to the left. If it is, is he not 100 percent when he thinks he could fumble the ball like that? Much like Silas read last year with his stinger. You know, I." Um, it's a good question. He certainly didn't transfer it on the fumble. He kept it on the right side. Uh, I don't know that that was a, uh, a reaction uh, to because his injured shoulder was his right shoulder. 
So he actually was keeping the ball in the uh, shoulder where where the injury was, I believe. Uh, and he got hit on that side. But it, it's certainly been – he's pretty open about, you know, telling us how he feels. And uh, he certainly – I mean, I asked him, I said, can you put your – you know, you're fine? He said, yeah, I'm fine. I said, can you, you put your arms, you know, up for me? And he, he went straight up. And so, uh, I mean, I think he got busted really uh, uh, hard the first injury of the summer. But uh, the second one – I don't think it was an issue. I mean, there were, there were some shadow issues and light issues, and he's probably trying to do too much and thinking too much, uh, and that ball's coming down. And, and, I, and I know he's thinking about yards. I think more, there's more of an emphasis on uh, yards after the catch. And I know he's probably in, the, in midair thinking, where's pressure coming? And I'm near the sideline, but – not only do I have the first down, which way can I, you know, spin move and uh, and maybe take it in? He's trying to score every time. And I, I think, you know, that can work against you a little bit. I think he probably, uh, if I had to guess what happened exactly on that play, he probably took his eye off the ball a little bit because the ball was coming down right in the, you know, the t- you know in the nine. It was hitting him in the open area of the nine. So it, it could not have been thrown any any more perfectly and he knew that and I think he he took his head up just enough for a glance to see where am I getting pressure and do I have enough you know room to uh tightrope down the sideline or do I need to spin back to the inside of the field because he was going to try to score on that play he wasn't just taking the first down and you know he'll learn from that I think uh I think he might there might be times where he you know you try to do too much and uh I think that might have been one of them all right. Uh, let's see. Next question. Oh, it's about the cornerbacks. Uh, he says, uh, this is Ryan in Lakewood. Dan, what's up with Davion Shelton? He got burned like four times deep downfield. If it wasn't for his pass interference, it wasn't called. And he would have gave up two 40-plus yard plays. The other one, of course, was a late touchdown. And he said, well, also what happened to Chris Hawkins? Is he hurt? Not much was talked about him this summer. Did he just not impress? Coming off the recruitment, it looked like he was a shutdown type one-on-one cornerback. Well, I think the numbers game catches up with you. I mean, they really there are a lot of guys that they want to take a look at, and uh, uh, if uh, you know, and they have been shuffling them in and out. And I guess if, if you have a potential redshirt year, uh, you may be the the last guy that, you know, that they're going to take a look at. Um, and, uh, you know, you can understand that. Um, I, I don't – we haven't seen much separation. And 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 it's hard to evaluate the cornerbacks. I mean, we, you know, you, we don't get to see them uh, – we don't get to see the film. I think with the cornerbacks, you really need to see the film, the practice film every day. Uh, and uh, – it probably doesn't look like there's, you know, a great, you know, deal of, of difference. Torn Harris is, a, is, is certainly improved. Um, he was closer to making plays. He tackled pretty well, uh, so you you gotta like that. Tackling is 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 a factor. Devian is a tough kid, and he is a uh, he's a physical kid. Uh, that was, uh, and he was even called out by name by Lane last night uh, on the. Uh, uh, as an example of, you know, the backup kids have to be ready to play and they have to be ready to make plays. And with 30 seconds left and with, you know, Hawaii 60 yards away, 
duh. They ran, you know, they ran a, you know, ran a deep ball to a kid. And the first time that kid, that kid was a freshman, first time he'd ever been to a college football game in his life. He, he scores <laughs> a 60-yard touchdown against USC. I mean, uh, that stuff didn't happen. And it, it was pretty frustrating, I think, to Lane. And, uh, and, and as they said, hey, they may have to step up this week because, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to bet that, that Anthony Brown and, uh, and uh, uh, Kevon Seymour are going to be back. So now whether that means uh, Josh Shaw moves or not, but uh, but yeah, you gotta you gotta have a sense of no matter what, I'm not gonna get beat deep. No matter what, nothing under no circumstances with 30 seconds left, and this team hasn't scored a touchdown, I'm not gonna get beat deep. And I know I don't have my starting uh, uh, front seven in there, all of them, so they may not get pressure on this kid, and he's gonna. He's going to throw it deep, and the kid could throw the ball 70 yards. Uh, they're not going to run past me. And then they, I ran past him. We can't let that happen. And, that's just, and he may be back out there this week. Um, Debian's got, you know, he's got size. He's, uh, he's a big, rangy kid, and he's not afraid to hit you. But he's got you know, to be smart, got to you know, have, have the technique, and you can't get beat deep on plays like that. You know, so the guy – you know, catches the ball for 30 yards. So what? You know, <laughs> they got 15 seconds left to go 30 more yards. But uh, to let yourself get beat deep, uh, no. You, you just can't do that. I don't know that he got beat deep that many times. I don't think Hawaii really, you know, they, they beat, beat, you know, they, they did get some deep routes there uh, where they were under pressure a little bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that, you know, here you go this week, uh, I don't think um, uh, Washington State runs a lot of that kind of stuff. Will they? Will they add some more of it? You know, they, they're more run run underneath stuff. But um, you know, they'll throw the ball enough that you know they'll get they'll get plenty of work, and we'll we'll have a much better idea about the corners after this week's game than uh, than last week's. Certainly. Um, all right, we got Lawrence in Dallas, Texas, had a couple questions. He was wondering what the new defensive coordinator Clancy Pendergast's thoughts were about the performance Thursday night. And then with Buck Allen uh, and those late carries, it gave a spark with those late carries. Do you think his reps will increase? That's Lawrence and Dallas. You know, I don't know. But the Buck Allen uh, situation, he's been the, uh, uh, you know, that you know favorite stereotype, the uh, kind of redheaded stepchild, you know, uh, that just they don't talk much about him. And then he just, every time, you know, he just goes out there and does it. I mean, and he carried him through fall practice uh, on the days when he was literally the only one of six running backs who could play. And he hasn't not played. And he has, he's made plays. He's run over people. He's fast. He catches the ball. I would love to see them use him, you know, more as a slot receiver. He catches the ball as naturally as anybody on the team. And I mean anybody on the team. Nobody catches the ball any better than he does. Uh, and I know that's saying a lot, and it's absolutely true. Uh, and he converts it, you know, catches and, and, and runs as well as anybody. Um, and uh, he is absolutely, you know, at, at six, uh, you know, six one and two, you know, between two ten, two fifteen, and third or fourth fastest guy in the team. Uh, there has to be a place, uh, you know, for Buck. So uh, I'm a big, big Buck uh, booster 
uh, as far as the, uh, I'm trying to think your first question. I jumped too much on the buck question. Lauren, you have to help me here. Oh, I'm sorry. First question. <laughs> no, no, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so so the first part was Clancy Pendergast, his thoughts on the performance. Oh, you know what? It's interesting. Clancy snuck out of there. Uh, and we won't get to talk to him until Tuesday, I guess. Is it Tuesday? No, Wednesday. Yeah, we'll I tried to grab to him. To he Clancy just left. Until Wednesday. And Clancy is really a quiet guy, and he's not out there to, you know, his, I mean, I would tell you, I sat sat down with him for about an hour, and his thoughts are he wants him to play fast. He wants them to play on on your side of the line of scrimmage. He wants them to communicate really well with one another so that they can do all those multiple things and everybody is playing off everybody else. And and that looks like it's a com- complex thing where, uh, you know, but if you communicate it well and it's interchangeable enough where the two safeties are interchangeable and they bring guys up to the line of scrimmage and all that, they didn't seem to have any of those communication problems at all. Uh, that, that they were really, and they really worked at it. And, and, and really, he's talked about communicating, 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 and uh, and they seem to do that, you know, really well. I mean, one of the things that helps is they love playing this this defense. They love being aggressive, being able to run to the football, being able to make plays. Um, and uh, I mean, I think he was. If I had to guess, he would say, wow, they did pretty much what we wanted them to do. There were some breakdowns. We got some young guys out there. But in general, you know, they played hard. They played fast. They played on Hawaii's side in the line of scrimmage. They hit the quarterback. I mean, they're going after the quarterback. I mean, if you're a quarterback, say, in a game coming up, playing USC, and you watch that Hawaii film, you're thinking, ooh, this is going to be a long night. Uh, and I know Washington State's going to do some, you know, some really interesting things probably to protect uh, Connor Halliday and to, you know, allow him to get rid of the ball quickly because uh, uh, that is not a, a film you'd want to watch if you were an opposing quarterback because I thought, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people, oh, that's, you know, Graham, he wasn't that impressive to me. I thought he was kind of, you know, he missed some open throws, but I thought he was kind of impressive. He stayed in there. He's a big, big, tall, strong kid. I think he can have a pretty good year. I mean, I think there was a reason Ohio State recruited him. Thought he was a, you know, a, a, a classic, you know, big, strong-armed uh, drop-back guy. And uh, so, uh, I, you know, I think uh, I think it'll be. I mean, I think I think this is the perfect second game to come uh, to come up to see about this USC defense to see how they adjust to the stuff that Mike Leach's guys are going to do that did pretty well uh, at Auburn. They're going to throw the heck out of the ball and it'll be a kind of a, a, you know, a test of how athletic USC can be, how well they can run to the football, how well they can run to the quarterback, uh, all those things that they seem like they've really, really worked on, on well, but, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll catch, uh, we only get, we only get the defense one day a week. So that'll be Wednesday. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll try to we'll try to talk to Clancy, but Clancy doesn't say much. He kind of lets his players do his talking. He's not a big talker. He just uh, you know. But it's an interesting combination. He's so quiet, so reserved, so kind of unemotional, and yet they don't. They certainly play with a lot of emotion. And you'll hear guys saying, "Man, I love this defense. I love Coach Pendergrass. 
and yet there, there's just it's so quiet around him. I mean, he's just you know uh, an interesting you know way that he's got him playing one way, but that's not the way he is personally at all. He's uh, very under understated and uh, you know soft spoken and and low key. Uh, okay, two quick. I want to get to two quick ones before we let you go, Dan. Um, David and OC. So it looked like Cody Kessler didn't make any audibles or check off at the line on any of the plays. It looked like he was forcing the the play that was called in. Is this last lack of experience, nerves, or maybe he just didn't see the coverage? What do you guys think? Well, he made an audible nineteen yard line uh, for the touchdown, so uh, <laughs> he, he actually came up there, saw that defense, and immediately audible to it. Uh, yeah, I, I I really don't understand. He had an awful lot of um, situations where basically, you know, they were throwing the ball to you know one guy. I mean, it, you know, there weren't other options available. Uh, I think you know the emphasis was to try to run the play uh, as called. Uh, it, it, they shouldn't have needed to run that many audibles. Um, uh, I thought, you know, they did it exactly right the one time. Uh, and I don't think it was its lack of experience. He's, uh, and I, I feel bad for Cody and I feel bad for you guys because the quarterback you saw and the quarterback that Cody was in, in, in the game Thursday is not the quarterback we've seen all year. Now, where that came from, you know, we can make the case that, you know, that was uh, Cody in his first game. Cody, you know, says to, all the time, he said, I'm not, I don't get nervous. I'm not a guy that gets nothing's too big for me. I think, I think he was um, uh, put in a, a little bit of an offensive straitjacket. I think, I mean, the stuff we were seeing him running and not much of what we saw for three weeks that we were allowed to watch practice. Uh, it looked like, you know, he was, he was slow walking and the offense was slow walking and they were being overly cautious and overly careful and they can't play like that. And, uh, so I'm not going to put that on Cody. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> you, you still have to perform, but there were a lot of times where, I mean, you know, what do you do? You're in the end zone and you got this, you know, play call and you know you just take three steps back and it's like Stanford you know where boom you're down you know your own guy knocks a a Hawaii guy into you uh that shouldn't happen and that wasn't on Cody uh a couple of throws I was surprised he 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 made a couple of throws that, that we haven't seen him make all year I mean the screen pass I was terribly executed you know nobody got anywhere I mean there wasn't a guy within five yards of where the screen was supposed to develop. I thought that was, again, an example of stuff they don't run enough in practice so that when it comes to a game time, if they get, you know, bumped off their, off their route, uh, they don't go anywhere. But, uh, but, you know, how can you run a screen pass? You got nobody there. I mean, and I think what, what he saw, I'm not sure what he thought he saw, but, uh, uh, you know, that can't happen, but I'm, I'm, you know, more of the um, of the thinking that um, that it was really a badly, to be honest, a badly called game. I, I thought that the concepts were were not geared to um, to helping the quarterbacks, uh, and I think they were designed to. They just didn't work that way. 
And then one last one, Dan, uh, Mike, um, about Pac-12 officiating, since we're going to have a Pac-12 game coming up this week. He said, I heard Dan say several times pac 12 officials are bad. Can you talk about this in more detail? Why are they so bad? Is there something how the Pac-12 trains them? Uh, is there a officiating philosophy or practice that makes them different from other conferences? And that's Mike. Well, I think for years you couldn't get into the Pac-12. They had very little motion, um, you know, very little um, uh, movement in and out of the Pac-12. And uh, boy, I'm trying to think of um, uh, who was talking about an NFL guy who was saying. He went, you know, through uh, L.A. area NFL guy. He said, "Yeah, I, I gave up trying to be a Pac-12 guy because like you could never get in there." So he went Mountain West and and right to the NFL and a really good official. But uh, uh, because the Pac-12, you know, was kind of a political political deal, and um, you know, once you got in, you know, there was nothing they could, you know, they could do for you. And now they fired seven of those guys. Uh, in uh, um, Larry Scott's first year, but they still have, you know, a lot of the same guys. They seem, they call more penalties, obviously. Uh, I think five or six of the Pac-12 schools last year were in the bottom 10 and, uh, you know, from one, you know, 110 to 120 in terms of penalties. So, and that's not where you want to be. The bottom 10 is not where you want to be. Uh, you know, they're they they tend to be flag happy. Uh, uh, when they show up at a at a, a bowl game, the other schools go, "Oh no, you know we got the, <laughs> you know," and they're, and they're going to be a you know a flag fest. Uh, they do seem, and and the, the nervousness about the Pac-12 this year is because of the new targeting rule. Uh, they just seem to be not as strong. As, as as they are in other places, and and that's not as you know in the SEC, they're going to call it the way they're going to call it. Now they may protect the best teams, they may you know not care, but they're not afraid to do what they do. Uh, and and the same way in the Big Ten, they're con- they're and having you know covered the SEC, having covered the Big Ten, the officials there look more confident than the Pac-12 officials. Pac-12 officials. Just don't um, make you have that feeling. They're 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 getting better. They're getting younger. Uh, they know they've got a problem. They've had two different guys in here. Uh, ones that Mike Pariah you'll see on Fox now with, with uh, the the officiating uh, was the uh, top officiating consultant for the NFL helped set them up. And then uh, I'm trying to think of the the name of the NFL guy who who now runs the Pac-12 from. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. An LA, uh, an LA guy whose name escapes me at this at this moment, but they're trying to get better, and they're working at it. It's just taking a long time. I thought they would have gotten better quicker uh, than than they have. Uh, we'll see how this year goes. Uh, that was a Mountain West crew uh, Thursday, and I think the the general consensus for people there, and they made a few calls that. You know, you could tell they were Mountain West because they were trying to, you know, help Hawaii out just a little bit maybe. But they let them play. People were kind of like, wow, they're okay, they're letting them play. And uh, that isn't ever the sense you get when it's a Pac-12 game. You don't get the sense of, ooh, they're letting them play. (laughs) 
So, so that's where, you know, you talk about the Pac-12. They don't seem to be able to let them play. You sh- the Pac-12, for example, should not lead the nation in penalties every year, year after year after year after year, which it does. Now, they, make, they run a lot of plays, and games maybe are longer because of the kind of offenses that they run. And uh, that maybe gives you more opportunity for pass interference and things like that. It just seems like uh, it's a little – they don't let them play as much as they do in, say, the SEC or the Big, you know, the Big, uh, Big Ten. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. It was a, a long segment, but we, you know, it was a lot to get to with the Hawaii game. We were both out there. So thanks again for coming on the show, and we'll look forward to talking to you after Washington State. Uh, we'll look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, three straight home games uh, couldn't come at a better time. All right. Well, thanks, Dan, and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Back again next week talking more. USC football. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Music